Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. Welcome along and thanks for downloading today's episode. It's Wednesday the 28th of October. First today, we've been speaking to refugee charities about a tragedy in the Channel. A small boat trying to cross to Kent capsized off the French coast yesterday, killing two adults and two children aged just five and eight. Several other people were rescued and taken to hospital. It was one of hundreds of boats to make the dangerous journey so far this year as people continue to risk their lives in hope of finding safety. Earlier I spoke to Bridget Chapman from the Kent Refugee Action Network. Thanks for joining me today, Bridget. We're obviously all shocked and saddened to hear about the deaths in the Channel yesterday. What was your initial reaction? I mean, absolutely devastated, but also extremely frustrated. I feel like I'm watching a car crash in slow motion because my organisation has been warning, along with a number of other migrant and refugee charities, that more deaths than the Channel was inevitable. And it's just horrible to be proved right and to see two small children lose their lives like this. It's just appalling. It does hit home a lot harder that it is two children who've died, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's only just over five years since Alan Kurdi, the Kurdish toddler, was drowned on a beach in Turkey. And I really hope that was a turning point for the world, that we were going to say that we weren't going to allow this to happen again. And now here we are with two young children losing their lives in the channel just off the coast of the UK. And I don't really understand how we can be in this position. It is heartbreaking to think what it must have been like for those refugees. I mean, they're they're just some of thousands that have have attempted the journey over to Kent this year. But they really are putting their lives at risk, aren't they, just in hope of finding safety? Well, they are, but they shouldn't have to. Um, It's under international law. They're absolutely entitled to claim asylum in this country. Um, but there are no safe and legal routes to do that. You have to present yourself in the country to claim asylum. What we need to be doing is finding routes for these people so that they do not have to risk their lives in flimsy craft crossing the channel like this. And the responses that we've seen from politicians um, like Boris Johnson and, and the Home Secretary, Priti Patel, they've said they want to tackle the people smugglers who are targeting vulnerable people um, and and bringing them over into Kent. Do you think that's a good enough response from the government? I think it's a completely disingenuous response. If they really wanted to tackle the people smugglers, they'd offer safe and legal routes. That would stop the people traffickers trade overnight. What actually they're doing is is effectively driving people into the arms of people smugglers by making it more and more difficult for people to get to the UK. If they really are genuine about wanting to stop the business of people traffickers, they could stop it overnight. They need to offer safe and legal routes for people. And I know there's been some hostility from people in Kent towards refugees who are are coming over in small boats, often to Dover. Um, What would you say to people who perhaps don't understand what, what these refugees have been through and the journey they've already done just to get to northern France? Do you know, I really do understand people's frustration because I think the government are handling it really, really badly. 
Um, I do think that there is a lack of resources in the southeast and people have been told for a long time that the reason there's a lack of resources, a lack of jobs, school places, doctors appointments is, is, because, of, is because of those people, migrants, refugees, and I think that, that they've been an easy scapegoat for the government. And I think that I understand people's frustrations, but they're blaming the wrong people. These are human beings, just like you or me. All they want to do is to build their lives in peace. And we all have the right to claim asylum. You know, we're lucky in this country that we are living in a fairly peaceful place and that we don't, there is no reason for us to flee. But if the situations were reversed, I would hope that we would be treated with kindness, respect and compassion. Well, Care for Calais say yesterday's deaths should be a wake-up call for politicians. David Wilson is their spokesperson. Everyone in, in Calais is saddened by this absolutely awful news. Uh, it's, a, it's a really close-knit community in Calais between the volunteers who work there to help provide for refugees' needs and between the refugees themselves. And we, we know the refugees, we know their stories, um, we know about their dreams and their ambitions. Um, and so whenever anything like this happens, it hits us really, really hard and it's really, really upsetting. And you mentioned that you've obviously spoken to some refugees who might possibly be the people trying to cross the channel to reach Kent. What, what kind of stories do you hear from them and, and what, what is pushing them in a way to, to be desperate enough to risk their lives? The refugees that are in Calais all come from the most dangerous countries in the world. You know, places like uh, Sudan and Syria and Afghanistan and Iran they're running away from wars and persecution and torture and incredibly dangerous situations. Uh, they've faced awful hardship in order to get as far as northern France. Some of them have cro crossed the Mediterranean and, you know, the, the, the channel won't be their first incredibly dangerous boat trip. Um, and there's no way for them to stay in the countries they're coming from. They're just not safe there. The, the refugees that are in northern France want to get to the UK and the reason they want to get to the UK is that they have links with this country so maybe that's family that they have here maybe it's that they speak the language perhaps it's cultural links um, but they see the UK as their last hope and the problem at the moment is that there's no safe legal way for them to make their UK asylum claim without actually getting and being physically in the, to, in the UK. And that's what forces them to, uh, that's what makes them feel forced to get into boats. The problem with the politicians' uh, approach to this is they've been using the same failed approach for a decade now. And increased policing of uh, refugees, increased militarization of the channel crossing, increased persecution, um, doesn't work. It doesn't solve the problem because until there is a safe legal way for refugees who want to come to the UK to have their asylum claim heard, those refugees will still be desperate enough to get into boats and try and cross the channel. And it's that safe legal process that needs to be solved. That's how, what we can do to unlock and, and fix this issue. Kent Online News.
In other news today, a teenager's been in court charged with the murder of a Medway man. Stephen Chapman was found dead inside a property on Dels Road in Rochester on Sunday after police were called to reports of a burglary. 18-year-old George Knights, who's from the same street, has appeared before magistrates accused of killing him. He's due at Crown Court on Friday. It's been revealed Folkestone and Hythe now has the fastest growing coronavirus rates in the UK. Statistics released by the public health authorities shows the district has recorded a 185% increase in positive tests over the past week. Meanwhile, part of Sheppey's become the first COVID-19 hotspot in Kent. A homeless man's been found dead in a car park in Canterbury city centre. His body was found behind the Beanie Museum. He'd previously been helped by local charity Catching Lives. Now imagine living with a condition that causes you to hear buzzing and ringing sounds on a daily basis. That's the reality for thousands of people in Kent with tinnitus, including 16-year-old Ella Paris from Hearn Bay. She was diagnosed when she was six and is now raising money for the British Tinnitus Association by walking 50 miles during October. Jamie's been finding out what her condition is like. I hear music and buzzing, ringing when I'm really stressed or if I'm really tired and things like that. I think it's something that like not many people speak about, which is why I want to raise awareness for it. It's just really irritating and it can give you headaches and make you feel really dizzy. And it's just, I think, something that more people should know because more people do suffer with it. Would you say that it's something that completely takes over your life? Um, it can do on the days that it's bad. Um, I get it a lot sometimes when I have seizures. Um, it can last for days afterwards. It's just awful and it does sometimes take over my life. And I know it did my great granddad really badly. It's exhausting, it's frustrating and it is draining. It can tip you over the edge sometimes because you can't read, you can't sleep, you can't eat, you can't go out, you can't do anything because it is that bad. And nothing really is being done in the world about it. So you said you were six when you were diagnosed. Was it you that first noticed something? Was it your mum that noticed something first? How did that come about with you getting a diagnosis? I used to hear obviously noises and I did speak to my mum about it and she took me to the doctors and they referred me to like an ENT clinic and they tried different things but in the end they just like they said it's tinnitus. And were doctors able to give you any treatments, anything to maybe relieve the symptoms a little bit, or is it just something that you have to live with? Um, There's different therapies, but I've never been offered it. I know my great-granddad tried a lot of things, but nothing unfortunately worked for him. So it's a really sad condition. And uh, obviously you're going to be raising a little bit of money, or you have been so far. Tell me a little bit about the challenge that you're taking on, how it's going, how far have you gone so far? I started with a goal of raising £150 and this month I was walking for um, the British Tinnitus Association 50 miles and I've currently done 47 and obviously we're at the end of the month so that's worked out really well and the money has gone up till now um, £510 so it's amazing I'm, I'm so happy that we've done this. Kent Online reports.
A man's been arrested following an attempted ram raid in Westerham near Sevenoaks. A van was driven into the front of the Nationwide Bank in Market Square by someone trying to steal a cash machine early this morning. A 26-year-old from Croydon's been arrested on suspicion of burglary. People who've moved into new homes in Balming near Maidstone say they're scared after another sinkhole opened up. It's the latest to appear near the Orchard Fields development along Hermitage Lane. Residents are worried about where the next one could be and if it will affect their houses. On to football now and Gillingham have lost their fourth League One game in a row after being beaten 1-0 at Ipswich Town. The goal came late in the second half after goalkeeper Jack Bonham and defender Ryan Jackson both went off injured. Jill's boss Steve Evans spoke to us after last night's match. The first half was, was a disciplined performance with a good organisation, a good shape. One thing they've got is huge budgets but for that they've been a good players. They've made one good chance that the boys should probably score, but, you know, also we're changing goalkeepers and different things to... But we get through at half-time and we said, I have more belief, let's go and take them on. You know, they're under pressure to get promoted here. And um, I think second half, there's one team played all the football, one team made all the chances. One team does have to win. Um, one team got all the decisions. But we have, to, we have to just read it out and go again tomorrow. There's a lot of good players out there that have played well, given everything. That's uh, an absolutely good team, full of, full of quality players. I think they're second best for long spells tonight, second best. Um, I think the referees played a key part tonight, which he shouldn't do. And it's only a personal opinion, but I thought he's been terrible tonight. I thought he's been terrible. And no doubt he'll get a championship game on Saturday, probably. But listen, we've got Shooter Keith out for the season, Jacob Mellis now out for the season. We've got Tommy Con out for a month. We've had Jackson tonight, who's four or six weeks. We've had Dempsey back, played longer than we, than we thought tonight. Vinny Oliver wasn't 100%, he's been 80% fit. With no one else on the bench. Declan Dysdale was, was attending a funeral in a tier three area, so we didn't do what Joey did. We let him go to the funeral, brought him back, tested him, and when the result of that test comes in, if it's clear, he'll be back in the bubble. Uh, we didn't do what they did. No explanations for that yet. There won't be, probably. You know, we have to focus on ourselves. We've come here, you know, we've, we've played really well. We should win the game, shouldn't be a point. We should win the game. Um, credit to Ipswich, they stuck to the task, they got the goal, that's what good players and good teams managed to do. Gillingham are now 16th in the table and welcomes Sunderland to Priestfield this weekend. That's all for today's episode, thanks for joining me, but for more news you can head to kentonline.co.uk. While you're there you can check out pictures of a front garden in Sittingbourne which has been transformed for Halloween. The family have turned it into a ghoulish graveyard to raise money for an autism charity. What a great idea. And don't forget you can subscribe to the IM News app which will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. Head along to ilifmediasubs.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.